Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today after North Texas' historic win over uh, the first-ranked program in Apogee Stadium history is Matthew Bruni. Bruni, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Uh, like you said, North Texas wins. Uh, just got back from LSU's win. A uh, bunch of just everybody's winning today. It's a great day. Um, historic feels like historic feels like a little bit of hyperbole, but obviously, like it is literally historic. Yeah. In it's like what happened. It just feels weird that a five and six team, you know could have a historic win at this point in the year, but you're right. It was historic and it was amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I can, it, it was amazing. Great win. Great win. Yeah, man. No, it was, it was crazy. I mean, UNT really just jumped on it from the start. They led 31, 13 at halftime and end up with, you know, really a dominant 45 to 23 win over UTSA, you know, not only becoming bowl eligible by getting to six wins with five straight wins to end the season, but also ending UTSA's perfect regular season as well. So just a good night all around for North Texas football. And I mean, it was really only part of a crazy day of college football. I was just looking through some of the results. Obviously, the game you were at with LSU A&M, LSU pulls off the upset in sort of a crazy late one. Oklahoma State ends up winning Bedlam. Alabama beats Auburn in overtime. Michigan beats Ohio State. SMU even ended up losing to Tulsa with all the controversy around Sonny Dykes. Oh, God, I didn't know that. And then ODU found a way to win a bowl game in Old Dominion after not playing football last year. They won their game, and they're bowl eligible, man. Man, man, when you run it all down like that, just what a fun day. Rivalry week it was amazing. What a day. I, I said going into the game, and I have a lot of thoughts on this game just in, from a general perspective, but I want to – we'll obviously talk about the nitty-gritty of it first – um, I mean, I tweeted, I tweeted out, I predicted a win for North Texas and I tweeted out, I was like, I don't know. I just have this feeling. It was, it was weird. It, I had this feeling that North Texas was going to win or at the very least keep it really close. And obviously you and I, we've seen a bunch of UTSA games. We've seen every North Texas game. We know these two teams very, very well. And I didn't even factor and that wasn't even factoring in the rain, which I knew it was going to be drizzly i didn't know it was gonna be like you know raining as hard as it did yeah but just going into the game i just felt like north texas had a real chance here and most of that was because of the defense um but a lot of that was because i just thought utsa kind of peaked peaked a little early in the season and wasn't playing their best football and i was like north texas obviously is playing its best football at this point and has momentum playing at home i was like and then it's just again knowing these teams and then it being rivalry week I was just like, throw, I, what I tell you last week, I was like, Hey, get ready for the cliche talk where the coach is going to be like the records out the window. Exactly. That's what the coach <laughs> is going to be saying. And here I am before the game being like, it's rivalry week, man. You could sort of throw the records out the window. I've just completely 180. <laughs> I'm phony. And uh, just what a game, what a game. What, what do you want to start us? I mean, I got to start it with the run game, man, because that really, as you said, a really rainy day at Apogee Stadium. I mean, the rain was pouring down at several points, led to a bunch of UTSA miscues in some form or fashion, made it tough to pass the ball on the day. But the UNT run game and really the UNT offensive line came out and dominated in this one. Kaika Ragsdale ends up 20 carries for 146 yards and two scores. DeAndre Torrey, 23 carries for 108 yards and three touchdowns. 
ends up six rushing touchdowns on the day, which is the most all year for North Texas, you know, coming against one of the best teams they've played all year, allegedly. So, I mean, just a crazy game all around on the run game. And really, this is what I wrote about for my uh, second story of the night. It was all sort of emblematic of the, I guess, philosophy shift, for lack of a better word, this season for UNT. Because we talked about it early in the year, and it's been an issue throughout. They haven't been able to pass the ball consistently. Austin Ani has struggled. They've been missing several receivers. Even when, um, you know, even when Reuter was playing early in the year, he wasn't getting it done at quarterback. They don't have Mason Fine anymore. They don't have Jalen Darden anymore. You know, over the last two years, they've lost those guys. And I crunched the numbers. Uh, over the last three seasons before this year, North Texas passed for more yards than it ran for in 33 of their 38 games. This year, nine out of the 12 games, North Texas has run for more yards than they've passed for. It's just been a complete shift to the run game. And, I mean, it's really been necessary but just because of the struggles they've had passing-wise. And I just really think this coaching staff deserves a bit of credit for that because, I mean, obviously they had to go that direction, but they made the shift to the run-first, run-often kind of deal that we've talked about this year. And it's paid off. I mean, it's fueled them winning five straight games down the stretch. So shout out to the coaching staff for doing that. Yeah, that that's an awesome stat. Uh, the, like you said, the offensive line, I think really, it was shocking to me how well they ran the ball. And yeah. again, I want to give credit to Kaika Ragdale, DeAndre Torrey, Ayo Adai. Yes, those guys had great games. I think um, they were all special in their own rights. But what I always say is, whenever three running backs have production like that, like it's the offensive line, like the way that yeah. they were pushing around Jalen Haynes, uh, UTSA didn't have Lorenzo Dantzler, um up front, but still they were the way they were able to push away a UTSA defensive line that going into the, going into the past couple of weeks, I was pretty sold on them being the best defensive line or one of the best defense lines in conference USA. And they are obviously one of the best run defenses in conference USA. Like, this is a team that came in undefeated for a reason. You look at what they did second half against UAB. I was a little worried because you obviously UAB is a very physical team came in and beat the brakes off North Texas and yeah. North Texas just completely showed up and on the offensive line. And that is with a little bit of, of uh, musical chairs on the offensive line as well. Players were moving around seemingly a lot and it didn't matter. And this is where I got to give Seth the trail credit here. Like you said, it has been a complete overhaul stylistically. And yeah. I've said multiple times on this podcast, you know, we have to give him a little bit of benefit out because Oscar Attaway is down, you know, Jair Shorter, Tommy Bush, you got on the list, Loren uh, Lorenzo Thompson, all these guys. And he doesn't have a quarterback. Got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, I'll be damned, man. He just completely found something that worked for this limited offense and it beat the brakes off of a UTSA defense that I still think is very good. I mean, number 10 run defense in the whole country coming into this one. Yeah. And you can say that that's like, sure. That some of that strength of schedule, but that's North Texas was going against that schedule too. And North Texas didn't never looked like great. And now they just, and even if the thing is, and the reason why I was hesitant to pick North Texas in this game, but I, I mean, I ended up, doing that obviously but i was hesitant just because you go to last year's game and last year's game was such a blowout and you're just like what's stopping you to say from doing that again this year and i think it's pretty obvious if you watch this team specifically 
And we talked about it on the last podcast. There's a different attitude that this team has than last yeah. year. And I think obviously the winning helps a lot, but still, even in the losses, even coming out of that losing streak, you could still feel like there was something that was in this team. And I think just from that perspective, the personality of this team is different than it has been the last two years and maybe even longer. Like this is a team that believes in what it's doing. And I give a lot of that credit to Seth Luttrell. I've, we have a podcast named fire him or get rid of him or something like that. And <laughs> I'm not taking that back from what that, from the lows of this season. Like if any coach in the country had a low of that much of going one and six and losing the way that they lost every fan base in the country would be saying that. Yeah. But the way that they've rebounded, I have to just completely tip my hat. It's been, it's been amazing. Well, and I want to get more into that energy and just, I don't know, maybe the drive, if you will, of this team that you talked about, because to me, the one thing that stood out was UTSA had some chances on some pass plays where receivers had a step or two on North Texas defensive backs. But I saw some really terrific plays from Deshaun Gaddy, who had a couple pass breakups. Um, John Davis Jr. had a big one. Sean Thomas Faulkner had another one. Like, those were plays where you could just feel the effort from those guys and the desire from them to go win that football game. They played like a team that didn't want its season to end on, uh, you know, today. And it ended up working out in their favor because of that. To me, those were the plays that really stuck out where it's like, all right, these guys are really, you know, diving, going all out to get these, tip these passes away and make sure UTSA can't get back into it. Yeah. And, and let's not let's bring a little bit back down to earth here. UTSA did shoot themselves in the foot plenty of times. Like, like you oh, said, yeah. I mean, to start the game off with a fumbled kickoff return immediately set the tone and UNT to their credit went and scored. What have we said? They struggled with the entire season, red zone scoring. They go in and score. Um, and then they fumble, muffle punt, go in and score. And then the third quarter, I believe was they, uh, what was it? Another muff punt, right? Yeah, I uh, know. It was Frank Harris well, uh, ended that's up what fumbling it was. the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fumbled the ball, um, and they pick it up, and they go and score. All of those possessions, they go and score. So, yes, 21 of North Texas points came off turnovers. But the effort of which they played with caused some of those turnovers. And I think that the Murphy brothers, and which we'll get into defense in a second, but the way that the Murphy brothers, the way the defensive line, the way that they forced UTSA out of their comfort zone, was absolutely incredible. And UTSA never felt comfortable in that game. You, it was partially, part of it was the weather. Part of it was, you know, part of it was obviously, I think UTSA kind of looking ahead to a conference championship game. If we're being honest here, like, yes, they're still playing for an undefeated season. I, I'm not saying they weren't motivated, but yeah, you're looking ahead a little bit for a conference championship game. It's just natural. But none of that matters because North Texas didn't just win that game. North Texas dominated that game. And that's the difference here. If North Texas would have just squeaked out a 24, 23 win here, you know, where you just say get still fumbles the ball a lot and doesn't look good. And North Texas just scores off turnovers or something. Then I'd be like, all right, UTSA just gave the game away. No, you could take those possessions away. And I still think North Texas played well enough to win this game. And that's something I didn't think I was going to say coming coming into. I knew North Texas would have to get lucky to win. I didn't know that that luck wasn't necessary. And so credit to North Texas for making them uncomfortable. And like you said, giving the effort, making those extra plays uh, to, to, to pull it out. 
No, it was crazy, man. And one, one thing I did want to touch on before we get to the defense, which, I mean, it was an amazing performance from them, but DeAndre Torrey actually in this game made a little history himself. He's now tied with Jeff Wilson for sixth uh, in terms of single season rushing yards with 1,215. Um, and he actually passed Jalen Darden for second on the career touchdowns list. Torrey's got 40 of them now. Darden had 39. So just made some history on that side of the ball. And really, I think that just epitomizes how much Torrey has meant to this team this year. I mean, it's just been a phenomenal year from him with so many injuries in the backfield, not only at a way out, but I mean, Ragsdale's missed time. Isaiah Johnson's missed time. At times it's just been Torrey in that room and he's found a way to help will these guys to victory. So shout out to him for that. Definitely the MVP of the offense, maybe the MVP of the entire team. I yeah. I mean, I, I'll leave that. I'll let the, I'll let you decide that, but I think probably at this point, but um, yeah. And Austin Ani, while I, again, he's Austin Ani, I just, he's not great, but he completed passes when he needed to. He was on time on a couple throws. Um, I thought he made the most of it. Again, doesn't have great, great receivers. He's only two either, but he did. He, they did their jobs too. A T Lyles, um, Rod Burns had a couple catches. I mean, overall, just I'm 456 yards against UTSA. That's nothing more needs to be said from this team. Um, and just yeah. looking at the stats, they end up seven to 13 on third downs, only three penalties for 25 yards. You talk about a team that wanted to win this game and knew what it took to win this game, three penalties for 25 yards from a team that this entire season, we were like, they just keep shooting themselves on the foot, shooting themselves on the foot. No, like, like, yeah, they, they had a couple turnovers late, but like the game was well over by that point. Well, and one other, one other thing I wanted to highlight because I completely forgot to mention this, but the 340 rushing yards that North Texas had, that's the most UTSA has allowed all year by 120 yards. Like they allowed 220 to UAB last week, and that was the most coming into this one. Yeah. Just absurd. Jesus. Yeah. Just an incredible, incredible game, man. I, and again, I'm, I, y'all know I'm from San Antonio. I had, plenty of friends and family uh rooting for San for utsa who've gone gone or go to utsa so thank you north texas for allowing me to be a fan <laughs> for once and you know coming off last year's loss i had to t- had to wear a lot of it and now i'm over here you know talking talking about uh i think i posted on my story i was like get these bums out of here and so <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> Oh, uh, but let's talk. Let's talk defense, though. Let's talk defense. Absolutely. Because well, and, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Well, yeah. So I was just going to say we mentioned the pass breakups, but really, I mean, the pass rush really was the standout thing in this game. They just got to Frank Harris early when he was in, got to every UTSA quarterback that played in this game. Grayson Murphy ends up with, I believe, a career high with three sacks on the night. Gabriel Murphy has one as well. And Caleb Colvin gets his first sack of the season. Um, just a really great game from the pass rush again and a great game from, you know, the defensive line, which as we've talked about really one of the strongest units on this team and probably the strongest on the defense. I I said, man, I was so hesitant. I wish I would have gone out on the limb. I last week, I think I said on the pilot, I was like, this is one of the best defense lines in the conference. And I think I've said that before, but it's one of the best defense lines in the conference. I was just really hesitant because I was like, damn, I don't know. UTSA, UAB, you know, uh, I think Western's got some decent guys. Marshall, it's it's some solid defense lines around here. No, you, North Texas just did what North Texas defensive line just did to UTSA is something that no other defensive line in conference USA can do. Yeah, and I'm confident in saying that they not only 
just completely took Frank Harris out of this game. And I, uh, Atkins came in and went three of nine for 28 yards um, when he was in, but he, he had no chance either. But they also just did an excellent job against the run. And Cynthia McCormick ends the game with 60 yards on 12 carries. Last year, he ended the game with, what, close to 300 yards, if I remember correctly? It was like two-something, I thought. It I don't had remember. to have been at least close to 200. It was it was, it was was over 200. I'm 90% sure you can look that up while I'm talking. Yeah, I'll, but, I'll uh, look it up. Um, the, the way that they played, I can't put into words how impressive it was. The Murphy brothers, what have we said all year? They're talented as hell, but they just keep shooting themselves in the foot and it's cost them games this year. Nobody will deny that. I think they'll tell you that themselves. This is the week that didn't happen. They just dominated the game from start to finish. Those those UTSA tackles and guards had no chance in blocking them. And then Dion Noville in the middle just caused all the havoc in the world and forced double teams, and it allowed the linebackers to get free. And while I think the linebackers are good, I think they're solid, those guys are, to me, are a product of the defensive line. The defensive line is everything for this team. Caleb Colvin's sack was super impressive. Just yeah. the way that the Murphy brothers played – Tonight, today alone warrants all conference selection, but they've done this the entire year. These guys are just amazing. And again, if they just get out of their own way and they don't, and they, you know, don't let their emotions get the best of them, or if they just play smart, you know, don't jump off sides every, um, every game, this very well could be, and it could already be the best defensive end duo in conference USA. And that is, is a huge, huge boost for North Texas moving forward. So shout, shout out to them, just the way that they dominated that game. Yeah, well, and I just, now that you were mentioning it, pulled up the season stats for them. Grayson Murphy now 12 and a half TFLs, seven and, seven and a half sacks on the year. Gabriel Murphy, 10 and a half TFLs, six sacks on the year. KD Davis has quietly had a lot of sacks too with five. And I found this sincere McCormick stat. He ended up with 251 yards in last year's game on 23 carries. Yeah, that's I mean. Just absurd, the complete difference from last game. And the one thing I did want to mention, Frank Harris did pop off that 69-yard rushing touchdown. But outside of that, I mean, he was basically a non-factor in this game when he was in. Oh, yeah, I tweeted out, uh, there's that break, don't bend defense. <laughs> Just they're, they're either perfect and they don't give up any yards or they give up a 69-yard touchdown. There's no in-between. But that's perfectly okay because before last year, I mean, last year it was bend and break, and now you're just doing one of the two. I mean, yeah, you can give up a couple touchdowns here and there, but for the most part, they just just completely dominated the game. And um, man, just what a what a performance! I I can't believe how well they played. I just I was laughing by the end of it. I was like, UTSA is literally unable to do anything. Frank Harris drops back. He didn't have three sec. He didn't have two seconds to scan the field before he was trying to run run away from the defensive line. Like that's how incredible it was. And they had a late touchdown. They had a late field goal, like through three quarters, they had 17 points. Yeah. 17 points. Is that even right? 13 points. I'm sorry. 13, 13, 13, 13 points. And the only touchdown was on that uh, 69 yard run. I mean, again, the only two touchdowns were on 69 and 67 yard plays. They just don't they don't give you anything and unless if it's a complete bust. I don't have I don't have anything else. Shout out Phil Bennett. 
excellent job to, again, play to the strengths of this defense. Same thing with the offense is with the defense. They are very limited on both sides of the ball in terms of injuries, in terms of personnel at times. But what they do well, they do really, really well. The defense plays aggressive with the defense line and linebackers. The offense just runs the ball, and they know what they are. And that's something that you couldn't say really before. Yeah, one one other thing I wanted to highlight, um, just in general, because I, I agree, I don't have anything else on the defense. But uh, you remember the pregame, the preseason podcast we put out? I believe the title of it was "Drinking the Kool Aid" or something like that. Yeah. Because I think I said that and picked North Texas to go six and six. Sure enough, North Texas found a way to get to six and six. But I thought the Seth Latrell quote post game was kind of funny because he actually mentioned Kool Aid. He said. Uh, for these student athletes, it can get pretty ugly if you listen to or read too much stuff. This was our fifth step. I kept telling them, don't drink the Kool-Aid. As soon as you start drinking the Kool-Aid again, you're going to get drunk. We're in rehab, so now we get the opportunity to go on to the sixth step, which is awesome. I don't know, man. Maybe Latrell was listening to that podcast and heard us talking about drinking the Kool-Aid preseason because he was telling his guys not to drink it. And Seth, uh, sure enough. Seth, if you're listening to this podcast, Seth, I apologize but i'm also very very impressed with the way that you this is just this is incredible this here let me let me word it like this this is incredible coaching maturity yeah and i think it really helped to add phil bennett his longtime friend to help him get through these times and the awareness to go to your third defensive coordinator in three years and to say I need someone that can help not only this defense, but me. And he goes to Phil Bennett, a guy who's in retirement for two years. You know, he's on his rocking chair over there and wherever he is and just chilling. He goes, no, I need you to help me with this team and to bring him out of retirement. And then to, to understand that this schedule is front heavy, get through a one and six, to have all the injuries that you had and to still, again, I'm not around the team. You're around the team. You can speak this better than me, but just from what I'm seeing on the field to keep this team together, the way that they did. Yeah. With so many young players as well that are on this team it shows incredible understanding shows incredible maturity shows what he's learned from the last two years, really the last, like his entire tenure, but obviously the last two years being disappointing uh, for one years. It shows that he's able to understand, to learn from his mistakes and to change. And that's a really, really big deal for him and his coaching future, wherever it takes him, whatever he does in the future, because he's what, 42, 43 years old at this point. That's, that's a big step for him. And I'm really happy for him because again, he's a great guy. I, I love him as a coach. I was just, I wasn't sure he could do that. I wasn't sure he could change. I thought back to back four win seasons and you start off one and six, like, you know how easy it is to lose a locker room at that point. Yeah. And he didn't, he understood as a coach what it took to, to win games. And you, and obviously the, the wins against bad teams aren't impressive to us, but to them as coaching staffs, they're building blocks and you, they use those building blocks to beat UTSA. So um, I, I went into this week saying if they lost UTSA, I was still going to be skeptical as far as they'll chose future. I didn't think they were going to fire him, but I mean, still, you know, that's really thin ice. He's probably still walking on me 
um, at five and seven, but six and six now, there's nothing you can say. I don't think there's a chance in the world that he's gone, especially um, just with what they're paying him in the buyout situation stuff. So all credit to him, man. All credit to him. Shut me up and got to six and six, man. What a, what a, what a feat. Well, and all it took was him tying, you know, the biggest win streak of his entire time at UNT with five wins in a row. I was looking at the stats. That's uh, the only other time he's won five games in a row was uh, back in 2017 from October 28th to November 25th. So he had to match the longest winning streak of his time at UNT to get this done. And he found a way to do it. And I wanted to touch a little bit more on what you said about, you know, beating these bad teams isn't that impressive. But coming into the year, that season preview pod, I mean, we picked North Texas to lose at least one of those games in that four-game stretch. We, we never picked them to go undefeated in that because it's still hard to win four straight games, even against bad teams. And these guys found a way to win five games, beating, you know, one of the best teams on their schedule in the last one and dominating them. So yep. you, you really can't overstate how impressive that is when all of your margin for error is gone at one and six and you find a way to rally the troops keep everybody together. I think the senior leadership was key in that as well from guys like DeAndre Torrey, Dion Noville. I think Tyreek Davis is a big voice in that locker room too. Uh, Jacob Brammer and Manasseh Mose are a couple others, but um, just really a shocking sort of way for this season to go because like you said, I mean, everybody was down in the dumps when these guys were one and six and we thought, you know, Latrell could be gone any week if it kept going that bad. And, Sure enough, these guys found a way to rally the troops and get it done. So, yeah, I don't know what else you can say besides that. Yeah. And it wasn't even, again, it wasn't even that they were one and six. It was that they were one and six and they didn't look good at all. Like the La Tech loss. I mean, we don't have to go through it again, but th- those losses just looked bad. And this goes to like a grander point, which we've talked about the past two, three years. So, for longtime listeners of this podcast, you under- you'll know kind of where I'm going with this. The past few years, we've said, where is the the win as an underdog? Where do you win when you're not supposed to win? Where do you play up to your competition? And through the first seven games of the year, all underdogs, all losses. And it was kind of just a repeat of what we've seen the past few years. The past few years, it's been like, all right, cool. They can beat UTEP. They can beat FIU. Like They can win against these bad teams. But what are they going to do when they play a good team? Because they never, and I mean quite literally, since the Arkansas game, they never play up to their competition. I don't have the, I'll get the stats in front of me uh, before the end of this podcast, but they are very, very bad as the underdogs against the spread and uh, as um, just straight up. Yeah, this is the to win this game again goes to what we've said the past three years. It shows growth. It shows that you can actually beat a team you're not supposed to beat. You can beat a team where you're that you're an eight, nine point underdog. That doesn't that that hasn't happened since the Arkansas game pretty much like it's so impressive and it's so unprecedented that this team won this game by this margin. And it is a turning point, I think, for Latrell in this program. And I, I do feel conf- confident enough saying that, even though we are in year, I don't even know at this point, five of Latrell, right? Or is I think it, it six? might be six. I think it's oh six. Gosh, uh, I feel so old at this point. Because it's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. So yeah, this is year six. 
man, I feel old now. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> weird to say that it's a turning point game for, for someone in their sixth year, but just with the way that this career is gone, I mean, at, at North Texas, it really is because like I said, they never beat anybody they're not supposed to beat. And what did they do today? They beat someone they weren't supposed to beat. I don't give a damn about the weather. I don't give a damn about UTSA's motivation. They did it. Well, and I don't care either because this isn't a North Texas thing to do in general. Even if you want to go back to before Latrell, like North Texas doesn't win games like this just in general. The last time and the only time they've ever beaten a ranked opponent before this was when they beat San Diego State in 1974. That's from Zach Babb on Twitter, which, I mean, he's always got some amazing stats out there, but like they've only ever beaten a ranked team one time before. And that was in the seventies. Like, I don't think you, I agree with you. I don't think you can overstate how big of a turning point win this could really be for these guys, especially if they get a winnable opponent in a bowl game and they can potentially get, you know, the first bowl win of the Latrell era. Like there's a lot of ways where this can really have the program, you know, turning on the up and up and, could be helpful even on the recruiting side, trying to go against UTSA and get some of those recruits that they've been battling back and forth with as well. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking up. They were before tonight and I'm, I'm decently positive on this. Um, I don't have the most recent games in front of me, but they were one and 19 as underdogs since the Liberty game. And I think I might be missing. Were they, were they dogs against UTEP? They were underdogs against UTEP, right? No, they were. No, they I were. I think favorite. there might have been one point. Or it might have been a push. I'm not going to count it anyways. Rice, were they underdogs against Rice? Uh, let's see. I think Rice was a one point favorite. I have the odds here actually, right here. So yeah, Rice was a one point. Favorite. Right, North Texas. Yeah, Rice was a favorite. Okay. All right. So let's throw that one in there. They were two and nineteen as underdogs since the Liberty game in 2018 going into this game. And technically UTEP was favored by one as well. If you want to count that. Sure. Three and 19, three and 19 as underdogs since the 2018 game. And they won this game by 20 plus. I just, it's, it's, it's unfathomable. And, and I talk, I've talked the past few years also against their record against the spread, because I think against the spread is a good indicator of, what you're supposed to do and exceeding that obviously. Uh, and you know, in 2018, they went four, eight and one against the spread 2019, three and nine against the spread, uh, 2023 and seven against the spread this year. I don't, what is it exactly? I think it's, I honestly, I think it's nine. I think they're now nine, two and one against the spread. Yeah. Cause they, I mean, they covered against Liberty. They didn't against Marshall, but they covered against Liberty, Missouri, and La Tech. The three, they didn't, the three, they did not cover in. Is SMU, UAB, and Marshall. And Marshall. Yes, those are the three, um, I believe. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I looked at two and it said nine, two, and it said eight, two, and one on the site that I was looking at, but I think it's nine and three. Like that is that again, it shows they're playing over their expectations. And that's a lot of that credit goes to the coaching staff, a lot of that credit goes to the players because there is still some talent on this team. Don't want to make it sound like they're talentless, but you know, they did have injuries. So what a man what a win i i don't know how much more i can say about this but it did does it feel like a turning point win for you just going forward now that we i obviously don't know i mean latrell's not getting fired he could leave in theory sure but i don't think that's likely either going into 
and we still have a bowl game. Obviously, we'll preview that. We'll talk about the bowl game, all that stuff. We'll do a season wrap-up podcast after the bowl game, all that good stuff. Just in this moment, does this feel like a win that will catapult this program going into year seven of the show in 2022 season? I mean, I am a little hesitant with it just because, as you said, this is UTSA. It's one of those rivalry games where you can sort of throw the record out a bit. But I would tend to agree just the dominant fashion. They won this one against one of the, you know, one of the better teams, if not the best team on their schedule this year. I know UTSA has struggled the last few weeks. I mean, trying to preserve an undefeated season, that's never an easy task either. So can't fault them too much for that. But I think it definitely is something, especially if they're able to get into a decent bowl game and, you know, play a game and finally win a bowl game under Latrell. I think it's something that really could be a turning point for this program. I'd tend to agree with you on that. And there was one thing I did want to note on the bowl side, though, is with a bunch of teams becoming bowl eligible tonight, saw a tweet by Brett McMurphy. Uh, there's 83 teams now eligible for 82 bowl slots. So one team might get left on the outside looking in and, if, if it's going to be a six win group of five team, North Texas could be one of those teams left on the outside looking in. Obviously, Middle Tennessee, I think, is another one that got to six wins. Um, Old Dominion's another one. I think those were the three in Conference USA that are at six wins. So, man, how dare know. you? How dare you try to kill my vibe? I don't know who gets this left night. out, but North Texas could be one of them. I mean, isn't it funny? UTSA got left out a few years ago. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, UTSA got left out a few couple years ago, and I, that was funny. Uh, at six and six, yeah, yeah. Man. Oh boy, that makes things very interesting. I don't know. I'd have to see the list of six and six teams at this point because I don't know how they decided that. I wonder if APR comes into it. I wonder if like strength of schedule or something. I have no idea how they decide that. We'll I'll Google that. But yeah, that makes it interesting. Hell, maybe one of the teams just declined an invite. It could be. I LSU's mean, not going to decline maybe. an invite, but like in theory, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, it, did Florida make it? I think so. So Florida, uh, yeah, maybe some, some like that. Maybe one of them just declines an invite, takes one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> if North Texas, if North Texas doesn't make a bowl game, we riot. We oh, riot. Man. I I just want to say, I don't have anything else serious of this on this podcast. I want to say thank you for every to everybody on Twitter just for making this an enjoyable, a very enjoyable week of just, this is what college rivalry is about. Yeah. Talking mess, betting, betting on changing your avies. Like I'm, I'm over here calling my dad yelling down goes Frazier down goes Frazier. <laughs> there he goes, man. You're, you're laying on the, on the, on the deck, just gasping for air right now. Cause this North Texas team just beat the hell out of you. Like as an alumni, it feels good to see Twitter banter, you know, all the good stuff. So I want to thank everybody for taking this um, as a serious rivalry. And again, North Texas fans probably had very little reason to believe they were going to win the game going into it, right? Like probably a lot of people, but they still stayed with it. It doesn't matter how good your rivalry is. Same thing with SMU. It doesn't matter when you beat them. It's all you need. It's all you need. And I think UTSA to me is a bigger rivalry. I mean, not a longer rivalry than SMU, but at this moment with the way that the conference and they're both going to AAC, um, I mean, with the recruiting the way it is, and I just, these two are, are rivals, rivals. like, And so they, it needs to be built up because rivalries in college sport is something that really is the lifeblood. And it would, it's what yeah. makes people watch. It's what grabs people's attention. 
this is a win and it's similar to the win in 2015, except in 2015, North Texas was winless and their one win came against North uh, UTSA this year. UTSA is, um, has, uh, is undefeated. Their one loss comes to North Texas. It's just stuff like that where you're just like, throw out the records. I was wrong. Throw them out. Yeah. Well, and I, you were just talking about Twitter banter and a couple, a couple tweets came to mind cause I saw some good ones tonight. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the day, um, or earlier in the week, actually, there was a, somebody from UTSA tweeted out about McCormick street, which is pretty close to Apogee stadium and how they should go have a block party down there and name it after sincere McCormick. Well, Dion Noville quote tweeted that tweet tonight and said, block party on McCormick street, pull up anytime between 11 and one. <laughs> like that's just top notch stuff right there. Well, you know who tweeted that from UTSA, right? Uh, Josiah Tawefa. Josiah Tawefa. Yeah. Josiah I think this was before your time. He's a very, very, very good uh, defensive end linebacker for UTSA. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think he was, was he on the team again? That, yeah, I think he was on the team where the drive happened against, if I'm not mistaken. Huh. Uh, but yeah, he was the UTSA guy. Uh, he's in the NFL now. He was a good, he was a really good player. But yeah, he's. <laughs> I saw that too, man. That was, that was excellent. And seeing the old ex players getting into it. Um, that's always, that's always some good stuff. So. Yeah. And then Alec Rapp tweeted one that was pretty funny too, where it was a graphic of like two parents walking their kid and it was the Murphy twins were the two parents and UTSA, the UTSA logo on the kid's face. I mean, that was just phenomenal. again just keep it up i love it in football it's it's really magnified obviously you know there's a lot of games in basketball and other sports but football you know with the pageantry and it being in texas the it just means a lot and especially i mean these teams like i said recruit against each other a lot you look at it um they UTSA recruits Denton, Denton recruits, um, you know, Austin, San Antonio, plenty, um, as well as plenty of South Texas stuff. So there's a lot of, a lot of stuff on the line there. And I'm, I'm glad North Texas had a, had a good time there. I'm just hope, I just hope my boy Kyla Powell had a fun night. That's what I hope. (laughs) I hope he had a great night on Fry Street. What's the bar that the tavern? Yeah. Fry Street Tavern. Tavern. The tavern. I hope everybody has a great time at the tavern. Shout out to Kyle Powell. We got to get him back on the podcast. <laughs> man, that was great. That was I think great. he even got on the field late in that one too. When uh, when it was all over. So shout out to him for getting a chance to play on Senior Day and all that good stuff. Of course, of course. Um, now I will say, and we'll, we'll this will kind of be a tease, I guess, for a, a future podcast. It will be interesting if they lose the bowl game and if mm. they, how they lose the bowl game, if they do lose it. Yeah. There is a, there's a long, long line of losing bowl games by a lot of points. And I wonder how we, if, if, if they lose the bowl game, how it would change our perception of this team uh, looking back on it. But that is, I, that's a podcast for another day. Um, unless you have a quick thought on that before we move on. No, no, I, I'm all good on that. The one thing I was just shocked we forgot to mention, we talked about DeAndre Torrey being so good, but like we didn't even mention the two runs where he just juke dudes out of their socks completely. Like the first one, he takes one UTSA defender and just makes him look silly and then gets in the end zone. 
Yep. And then the other one, I'm watching the highlight right now. He jukes one guy twice, jukes another, gets through three more guys, and then goes to the end zone like a 20-yard oh. touchdown. I mean, DeAndre Torrey was, you know, he sort of emblemized, epitomized that fire that UNC was playing with too, where he just refused to go down on that play. And the dude that's on him in that touchdown run, uh, uh, the, the you know, the one where he breaks like four tackles, five tackles, whatever. The dude who he's stiff arming is Jalen Haynes, number one, a defensive yeah. tackle that's like a huge dude. And he just kind of throws him off and then turns around, changes direction, gets upfield. It's like, what is going on here? So, <laughs> yeah, credit to credit to DeAndre Torrey. Um, how many seniors? Do you know how many seniors were? honored or recognized uh, it was it was 12 seniors and it was kind of funny because uh austin ani was actually one of them that got recognized man 28 year old he's got a kid on the way actually post-game press conference he announced it's going to be a girl so shout out to him for that but um yeah i think i've got the full list here somewhere around yeah well, i've got at least a list of the notable guys who weren't like who still had eligibility left so ani Manasseh Mose is still had a year left. Brammer still had a year left. Ethan Mooney, uh, Tishon Turpin, and then Nate Durham as well. But there were a few guys that weren't listed that I thought were interesting too, like Katie Davis, Sean Thomas Faulkner, John Davis Jr., and Quinn Whitlock, and then even punter Bernardo Rodriguez. None of those guys were honored. So that would make me inclined to believe they might be coming back next year. Yeah, I mean... I, I've, there's one thing I've learned at this point is I have no idea who's going where in any, every <laughs> school, any school in the country. I have zero idea what's happening, but uh, yeah, you, you know, you never know. I, I saw your, the quote in your, your uh, presser, I think it was where your Latrell was basically like, you know, we just want to be sure. We just want to give them a chance to be recognized, but you know, if they come back, they come back. If not, they don't, but yeah, either way. So um, I think that's a really cool thing. All those guys have been here for four years, I believe. Um, so yeah, they, I mean, they've graduated, I'm sure at this point, so they can do whatever yeah. they want, graduate transfer, or just move on with life. So yeah, it's, we'll see how, we'll see what they do, but yeah, great win. Great win. This was good. I'm glad we got this podcast done at night. I have a lot of energy. I'm going to go to sleep for like, well, I can't go to sleep too late. Cause I've got an LSU podcast in the morning <laughs> and the Lord knows what's happening in Baton Rouge right now, but yeah, this yeah. was fun. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I guess you've gotten nothing else, man. It's all good. Nope. I'm good to go at 1237 in the morning. Sweet, man. Yeah. We got ourselves a little, had ourselves a little pack 12 after dark action. Once again, we'll podcast after dark, but uh, I think that's everything we got for you guys. Thanks as always for tuning in and listening to us, you know, ramble on about random stuff, follow our podcast on SoundCloud, leave us a five-star rating on Apple podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247 to see all the content that goes out. Follow Matthew at MatthewBurney underscore. Follow me at JohnFieldZero. And we'll catch you guys in the next one.